Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies, whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a forgotten classic, or even a problematic fave, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I am the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is writer and every woman, Nina Wilder. Hi, Nina. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. What a true treat to have you on. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well. I don't know what else to say. It's disgustingly hot in North Carolina. So that's- Same here. It's about to be a hundred in LA tomorrow. So, so we're Christ. in the, like, the prelude to that right now. And it is a true nightmare, but the, how are you feeling about a culture in decline right now? <laughs> Start <laughs> you know, off with a light question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I think that Culture has been dying for a long time, but mm-hmm. I think uh, culmination of uh, lip sync battles, the masked singer, uh, and the last season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, we just killed it. It's over. It's over. There's no more culture to speak of. I'm actually kind of sad about the end of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. As someone who has never really religiously watched that show and mm-hmm. is very tired of their antics, it does really feel like an end of an era, though. Like, yeah. That show has been on. I mean, I it was it really snuck up on me that that show is 15 years old, basically. Had a tenure. Yeah. Like, well, my favorite thing is to just look at like talking heads from every season, and you just see how like the faces have changed. Like, truly, oh, yeah. like the structure of their faces have changed. It is, it is miraculous science what they have been able to do. <laughs> like, and I, I mean, I have. I have my issues with how they've sort of presented their, I guess, I mean, they've really is, is aestheticized their brand into something so concrete and like mm-hmm. obviously something so totemic that people are actually trying to emulate them and have been for a long time now. But right. I mean, it, I think this is, they're leaving at a bad point for some of them, I will say. I hope yes. they, I hope things settle down soon yeah but are you a big Kardashian fan or just like a passive observer I'm more of like a passive observer I have always liked reality tv Mm -hmm. I tend to like more like um reality competition tv like I love survivor Mm -hmm. oh my god I love that shit and obviously I've watched like RuPaul's Drag Race and like I had to give up on RuPaul as well I think like a lot of these things like Kardashians was so good when it was still so naive and like hadn't yeah. become so embedded in our culture yet and then it just starts slowly started just becoming more like polished and I don't know pretty or whatever and I, I always hate that in like a reality tv show like I like when it's just very rough around the edges no totally that's <laughs> I've had I mean every reality show kind of gets to that point eventually like mm-hmm. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of basically every show that you listed already, except I have, <laughs> I have a pretty limited experience with Survivor, uh-huh. but I, I would definitely self-identify as a Bravo-holic, and okay. a lot of those shows are going through pretty significant growing pains right now, just because mm-hmm. they're so self-aware to the point mm-hmm. where the characters that are being performed, I guess, for lack of a better word, are right. so sanded down. Right. and frictionless that it really just does not create you know the necessary drama to keep a show like that going right or like I watched the last like I kind of tuned back into Kardashians and I kind of got like a little nostalgic about it like I went and watched some older episodes it's just like remembering because throughout the years too it's like you don't watch it but you just see it all over the internet and you never yeah. really know like what's happening with those uh, lunatics um but yeah just like watching the last one I was like where where's the auntie like where's the drama they're just basically spending an entire season just like doing a victory lap and I was like no I want to know why Rob Kardashian's not here like I want to know why (laughs) the dark the dark eternal question of that show is yeah I mean he's he's become like the Shelly Miscavige almost literally that whole drama though five years ago with like um Black China Uh uh-huh Mm-hmm. and the family's response to that is so that kind of felt like the last hurrah almost of when things were really dramatic there right because but I think there was there's some darkness there that we've never really seen the light of day and maybe shouldn't on right 
surfaced on I mean, TV. It's hard to be fat in that family period. Yes, as a absolutely. Fat like that, and that's just yeah. like that started the decline. And then yeah, I mean, they. Like, it's yeah. they're basically like the the catch-all for 2010's body dysmorphia like they are the root cause like if if America's Next Top Model was the 2000s root cause for all of us yeah. then Kardashians like the that's that and that goes back to my I guess my earlier thing about like their aestheticization like I really wish that they were more open about their body modification mm-hmm. because I think well it's just dishonest yeah well that whole thing with chloe or whatever recently where she had a genuine photo of herself taken i mean yeah. the bitch looks good like she I looks mean, great it, like her body is thin like you know her face is like her face is know, settling yeah it's snatched or whatever yeah, yeah the note, uh, anyway but she was like guys she her whole explanation was like i feel bad about my body so let me edit my photos and i was like do you not understand That's, that you are the very is- reason that you feel bad about yourself it's a it's a self-perpetuating cycle and I mean that excuse really blew my mind too because it was so clearly the textbook definition of body dysmorphia yes but presented as this sort of unavoidable Mm. outcome and I'm like well you Mm. are the cause Mm -hmm. let's mama let's pathologize (laughs) let's let's pathologize Your therapist, we need we need overtime because it's not working. It's not working. Well, <laughs> speaking of pathologizing, I think it's time for our first segment, okay. which is the pathology segment of the show. <laughs> We're gonna play Go Call the Governor. Okay. So I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and/or ancient history. And you are going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. Okay. There are no wrong answers here but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Mm -hmm. So let's play. Okay. All right. We're going to start off with an easy one today. We're hitting a lot of hot button topics today, so apologies in advance. Um, Chrissy Teigen apologizes in a medium post for everything she has ever done. (laughs) Does the governor need to be called? I mean, okay. See, I'm already failing the game because I'm like, I have to like uh, qualify this somehow. That's Call the that. governor so he can like execute. Her. <laughs> oh my no, god! But like from that's from the internet. Like, yes, we yes, can yes, ban yes. On her from the Whatever, she can live. Like it's okay. Shadow ban but... Chrissy. Yeah. <laughs> Alex like, Jones actually, on the left. Yeah, I actually already fired off a tweet today about it, just because I'm so tired of seeing her name, like yeah. in the trending tab or whatever. And I'm still so surprised, like John Legend has his wagon hitched to her because it's like he seems sane yeah so what's I, I was talking to someone over the weekend about how their marriage has somehow survived all of this like I mean she she should pay rent in the trending tab <laughs> like she's just constantly there this was such a weird <sighs> weird things I mean we've we've all seen like the proliferation of the notes app apology I guess but to like mm-hmm. get a medium post for <laughs> mm-hmm. this screed was a new one for me well what's crazy is just like it could it's evergreen like she just yeah. needs to whatever just like an onion article like just like copy that and then paste it every single time something happens just keep the language vague because it's always like I was, it's my tweets. The tweets are always the problem. Yeah, I was always. different back then, whether it was a month or, you know, 10 years ago. It's just like, we're tired of it. No, yes, you're, we're so tired of it. And the 10 years ago explanation does not hold water to me for a lot of this stuff. No. She was 25 or 26 10 years ago when she was doing yes. all this or all, all the shit that's getting resurfaced right about now. Courtney Stodden, yeah. In court, yeah, Courtney Stodden, like, I mean, that Quavenjanae Wallace stuff has been making the rounds too oh, from God. when she called her the C word, which is literally inc- just insane to do that to a child. Like, right. I, you know, I mean, that era of the internet was still very edgelordy, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, it is edgelordy now, but it's that subculture is a lot more fringe than it used to be like and I do think that she has always posited herself as 
like the Jillian Flynn like cool girl archetype almost like definitely she is like she really thinks that she is a chick who can hang and like I'm not (laughs) I do not think she is but like even as a no like you I have never once told my told anyone to kill themselves ever and I'm I'm 26 right now like she definitely knew better so I don't really understand what she's saying with all this I just have to laugh like you're like yeah, of course you never told someone to kill yourself. Like, it's just no. so, it's inherently childish. And I just, I mean, I don't know. It's, like, boring at this point. Like, part of me wishes she would just kind of embrace being the villain and just, like, be like, no, fuck you guys. Like, I said what I said and whatever. Because yeah. I just, again, I just live for drama and she'll never be important to me. But I, I'm not, I'm surprised she's not even talking about, like, like she could pivot if you start talking about Yashar Ali, then oh, yeah. we could have, you know, I could be like, we'll come back into the fold. Like, we'll be nice to you for a day if you, you know, give us some dirt on yeah, him I, I or think something that like great. that. Like <laughs> the, the heel turn only works though. I think if you have a genuine <laughs> sense of wit and humor to you, I think she maybe mm. did at one point, but so much of her stuff feels like, I mean, it's like, it's Jimmy Fallon. That's Colbert. Like it's very like, yeah. yeah, I I think like, you know, when you look at people who have sort of successfully done this heel turn pivot into like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I like we talk about her truly every episode of this podcast, but like an Azalea <laughs> Banks, let's say like, okay, Azalea yeah, Banks yeah, yeah. is definitely maybe the villain of the internet for a certain right. subculture of people, but she also, I mean, God bless her, is very funny. Yeah, and, and is a yes. genuinely good writer and like even when she's saying the most reprehensible shit it is very well worded <laughs> yes <laughs> like, at, the end, at the end of the day like no one truly wants to spend time with her like I would you know yeah never ever want to see her at the function or no like, never be proximate to her but I love reading her Twitter. yeah like at least we can delight in her evils but yeah Chrissy Teigen's boring it's like oh, you paid $13,000 for a bottle of wine on accident or like your mom throws away AirPods or whatever. Like, shut up. Shut up, yeah. Like there's a way to do, I mean, there are influencers right now who are sort of doing that like sort of satirical Mm. wealth flashing in Mm. ways that feel kind of like way more like authentically funny. And she, Mm. but she's just not, I mean, her whole thing just is very like, written by committee almost like I feel like she has tweet writers which is crazy yeah that's true yeah it is giving Jimmy Fallon you're right it is other best friends I will say I do um I do own both of her cookbooks though and they're cookbooks so I just end this seg this portion on a like slightly lighter note but yeah her sesame noodles recipe is very good no I'm calling the governor on you oh no (laughs) the first time I've been called Okay, let's move on to the second topic. White chocolate. Does the governor God. need to be called? Ew, yeah, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna end up calling the governor on everything because I'm. I need help always, but yeah, let's kick white chocolate's ass. Speak on this. Why this white chocolate? This is disgusting. I mean, it's disgusting. Like, ew! It doesn't even taste like anything. It tastes like wax. I I like it. I think it tastes kind of. <laughs> it's like yeah. vanilla. I know. I I do like um. I like. I don't like dark chocolate that much, but like white chocolate to me is good. I don't think it should be like the star of the show, but like <sighs> as a drizzle, like on a chocolate <laughs> dipped strawberry, like you see like the milk chocolate on the outside, and then they're like the little lashes of white chocolate. Okay, That's does that even count? Does that even count? I think like, so. Are it's you a, actually tasting the white? <laughs> the, the... Look, I don't claim to have a developed palate like that, but I do <laughs> like it. It makes it look like a little zebra, and I do like that. Yeah, you do. You actually did touch a nerve with me here because I really do hate white chocolate. I don't know. I've never even I just and what's funny is like I'm not like I like like vanilla. Like, I mean, my favorite chocolate is the is milk, like the yeah. worst. I mean, arguably like the most tasteless. Like if you're going to be tasteless, go all the way to white. If you're going to actually have taste buds, just be a dark chocolate person. Yeah. But I don't know. I just it's just never struck my fancy. And like like the oh the dis- most disgusting thing I can think of is like the Oreo like Hershey's bars, which is like white chocolate. Oh, that's awful. I like those because <laughs> I like chemicals. Okay, <laughs> like, okay. No, okay. there's I really actually do like this. I remember I like at at Duke I used to get those out of the vending machine as like one of my main library snacks. Actually, <laughs> like in the sugar Jesus high Christ. you get off of those, it's like three Red Bulls. It is, it is, it should be medically, 
yeah. inadvisable like they should put a label on those that like yeah you will be up for four hours after eating one but like I like those little crunchies I don't know oh god yeah okay Duke or yeah white chocolate Oreo bars got Drew Haskins or Duke University yes you That's can write hearing. that right yeah. down resume. <laughs> all right let's move on to the third topic and final topic Bo Burnham's Netflix special Inside. Okay. Does I'm the government need to be called? Okay. No. Okay. So I'm not going to be a downer and you know ring the bell and everything because I love Bo Burnham. Yeah, I do too. I, I think Period. he's great. Yeah. I. So what it, this special is a little divisive. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I guess I'm probably not the most like I don't know. I'm not the best person to ask because I have been a bona fide stan like yeah I've been a stan you know I'm a tumblr I was a tumblr kid like that is where I got my annoying start I don't know I've been annoying my whole life but that's where it really <laughs> like deepened for me um and I was a stan you know I was a clay stan I was an office stan like mm-hmm. all these things but I have truly loved Bo Burnham since I was like 12 years old and so all throughout his career he's like just one of those celebrities that I one feel incredibly parasocial with which is awful it's so toxic I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it, it, like all of us are like this, like yeah. it's just hard in this day and age um, uh-huh. to avoid that kind of relationship. But he, I think more so than others, has put himself out there in a very interactive way for so long. Like, yeah. It's kind of hard not to, I think. And it's him. so, I mean, it's so fraught as well. Cause I'm like sitting here, I'm like, please don't get outed as a creep. Like, please don't be like, say a like offensive thing. Yeah. And the thing too, about always being so hyper public is like, I mean, in his early stuff too, like he was like offensive. I mean, he's got a song about it in his new special yeah. or whatever. Like he's someone who often like is constantly revisiting and reckoning with himself and his past, which I like introspection a lot in art and so yeah I mean throughout you know the time that I've been a fan of his just like everything of his I've loved like I loved I mean especially his last uh special before this make happy I loved eighth mm-hmm. grade like he was the best part of promising young woman what a mess that was but you know mm-hmm. he was a shining light for yeah. us all <laughs> uh you know singing Paris Hilton what else could you want it's that um, like very that felt like such a th- a callback to the Tumblr kids like yeah Bo singing that particular song is definitely a dog whistle to like a certain yes. generation of people <laughs> like I immediately um, start foaming at the mouth and, yeah, like, I know. everything <laughs> I've ever wanted like so I yeah I well but I love the special that's all to say that like it it just felt like a, a beautiful culmination of all of these things that he's like explored for uh, the better part of the last decade I I agree and I think it felt I mean, knowing the narrative around it about him, like, not performing for five years, Mm -hmm. like, taking a break from mental health and then coming back with this particular special produced in this, these times and these trying times, (laughs) like, it is very, um, it is satisfying. And it's satisfying to see it executed so well for the most part, I think. Yes. And I, like, I don't know, I um, read some of the more, like, uh, barbed reviews like Mm -hmm. not as nice ones and I like understand where people are coming for like oh it's so like uh self-applauding or self-aggrandizing like he's saying you know we don't you know does anyone ever he says in there he's like does anyone ever shut the fuck up anymore but it's like you're not shutting up like you know what but but I think that's always been the appeal in a way is like that he we all (laughs) at once we both all want to be speaking at all times we also just want other people to like stop you know this we all feed this like content wheel it just keeps going around and around and we wish we could break it and we want it to break but at the same time like we all have things to say it ties back into that idea where everyone's trying to make in both like private and public lives like making space for themselves like Mm -hmm. I think this special is a really good commentary on the ways in which people the ways in which (laughs) the ways in which people (laughs) like chafe up against their constraints like Mm -hmm. Obviously, pandemic is a very like literal representation of how people were trying to like reckon with like being boxed in to an extent. But then ha- having all those songs about like the perils of the internet and like trying to like carve out a space for yourself in the most oversaturated forum you can is yeah. very, it's very interesting, I think, to see those parallels. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget, like, from his last special, there's, like, a line. And, and what I love, too, is, like, even when he gets real, it's all an artifice still. And I love that he, like, understands that and plays with that, that regardless, like, you're still pointing a camera at yourself and you're always going to be aware of that, that mediation between you and the viewer or whatever. But um, he says, like, if you can live your life without an audience, you should do it. Yeah. And I just, like, I think as someone who comes from, who was born on the internet, who comes from the internet, he has the most incisive and it feels relieving and like the most authentic, yeah. you know, takes on and ideas about the internet, which I, I love. I always appreciate that. And blessedly, it's funny. Yeah, that too. <laughs> like, it's not all maudlin. Like, no, it's not. I mean, that, that, it's subject material that could get insufferable so quickly if it mm -hmm. wasn't funny. And thank mm -hmm. God it is funny. Thank God he's a cutie and so cute. is willing to dance around in his underwear. I have a uh, picture with him. I'll send it to you after because oh, I met him. Him. I went, I went to one of his uh, shows when he came to Durham. I was like shaking like a leaf. Like, oh I, like I love you. Like, <laughs> no, I can social forever. I he came to Duke. Um, Oh yeah. I don't know, like 2013, 2014, 2015, right around mm -hmm. there. Like I can't remember mm -hmm. where, where he went on campus though. And his show was so funny. And it was oh. right before he stopped, mm -hmm. um, took his hiatus. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I was really sad that I oh, mean I'm glad that he's like making different <laughs> kinds of art because like eighth, mm -hmm. I have my problems with eighth grade, but like I do like that movie. Yeah. And he is a good actor. I'm excited to see like future projects and stuff and this is a, yeah. it's such a good special like a good um it definitely deserves the attention it's getting i think for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i agree okay we're second gonna... duke name drop we're gonna do another one <laughs> <laughs> three times and we, we yeah. get, I, I get magically teleported back to durham yeah they give um, you my tuition back <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back and we are back let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency Nina, what are you rushing to the ER today? Uh, well, Drew, I'm I'm worried about Lord, about Ali oh. Alec O'Connor. Yeah, <laughs> the Queen of New Zealand. Yes, Princess indeed. of the, the uh, are they called the Ant Tibes? I actually don't know. I'll, I'll edit that out. I actually don't know what they're called. Um, there's some like re weird like Greek mythology name for them, and I have no idea. What, I like said it so confidently. Or not. Oh, even so you confidently. went to Duke and you don't know anything about Greek mythology? No, no. Wow. <laughs> so how? Let's let's get into it. So, mm -hmm. what is your experience with Lord? Okay, so I have a CD player in my car. I have a blessed 2010 car that still has a six CD player. Mm -hmm. And one of the like first CDs I ever bought to listen to, to when I would drive around town, you know, like a sad teen. Cause I was like a sad, I wasn't like a sad teen, but I had things to be sad about. And so I bought pure heroin and, mm -hmm. you know, I would just put it on in my car and I'd like get in my feelings. And I loved that. Like, I thought it was like a perfect, backdrop for it she was also like a young person you know singing about young people shit which is mostly like do my friends like me and do I have a good boyfriend or whatever <laughs> and so like I was very much um excited for melodrama when it came out and that came out my sophomore year of college I think mm -hmm. the summer before sophomore year uh and again like I guess she is only like a year or two older than me so yeah I do have always felt like that kindred like she knows like she knows what I'm going through and like, right. she writes specifically for me um like did I say I have a problem with celebrities <laughs> pretending I know whatever but um so I know I and so when like green light came out I remember feeling like I wasn't I was hesitant which was like what made me feel about like this single solar power when it came out I remember feeling hesitant at first when I got like first taste of melodrama but then it quickly became one of my favorite albums when it came out and like you know going through a breakup shortly after that shit was on repeat for a yeah. long time and so yeah like I don't know it's been five years since melodrama I, th I think four right four, 2017 okay. yeah right okay four neither of us time. were math majors so we yeah know, time passes and I ignore it but yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's been four years yeah so now I don't know it's she comes back and she comes back different so I, I'm just not sure how to yeah. feel so solar power which just dropped at i guess if you're hearing this it dropped like 
a week before we're recording this, more or mm-hmm. less a few days before we're recording this. It is so different from everything she's ever done. Like, yes. I was seeing a lot of George Michael comparisons. I was seeing mm-hmm. a lot of like Cheryl Crow comparisons, which I don't mm-hmm. really get fully, but like, I, I don't so know. It all sounds, it sounds weird. like Thank You by Dido to me, that kind of like okay. strummy, bongo-y. <laughs> I, I don't even, it's weird to describe a Lord single as strummy and bongo-y, and bongo-y but like, here we yeah. are. Here yeah. we are. Well, and what's funny too, I don't know, is like everyone, because also online and, you know, I, I have a, a bad habit of just turning often to people online or my peers or whatever to kind of like think through my opinions on things, especially with music, because I never, I always feel out of my element with music because I consider myself to be a cinema person right. and I listen to just the same shit and repeat forever. Um but so a lot of people are like, oh, like she's happy. So I'm happy for her. Like, yes, get your beach vibes on or whatever. And I'm like, but she she's had songs in the past that aren't necessarily all like depressing. Like, Mm-mm. I guess like lyrically, it's always been more, you know, introspective or moody. But like she's always, she's had some like more upbeat production. So like, yeah. It's not like it's completely new, but yeah, something, it feels like it should be playing over a Cymbalta commercial, which I was never going to get that from Lord. Like, I never no. thought I would. <laughs> the, all the old Navy edits that they did to that song, which is like I, one of my favorite stay on Twitter trends. Like, I remember when they did that to um, Jordan Sparks' no. pop single Red Sangria <laughs> um, way back <laughs> over, I think, like last summer. That really, it drove me nuts. Um, but yeah lord is so like even her upbeat stuff like she's very good at finding like the catharsis and sort of like settling into your surroundings Mm -hmm. i guess like royals is i mean i i think to this day her still her only number one hit like and Mm -hmm. definitely sort of one of her more like upbeat productions in a way Mm -hmm. lord and or royals and team i guess are both really good about like articulating like sort of settling into your community despite their flaws and stuff like perfect yeah. places is also a classic of that sort of like theme that she does maybe her yes. best perfect places might be her best song i agree i 100 yeah. agree it's it's I'm, phenom i'm 19 and i'm on fire like i was 19 when i came out and i was just like the way that she just like and it's to me like she's never had like she has specificity in her lyrics like a la like i guess like a like a taylor swift thing but she's always felt just like cooler just like whatever however like yeah tired that is like she's cool okay well she writes a little bit more um poetically I guess let's yes. say like I think T- Taylor Swift is a generational talent as a songwriter I think mm-hmm. but she it's very diaristic with her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Lord is a lot more figurative yes and she'll just like drop stuff in there that feels like very much of the moment where she's like I overthink your punctuation marks and it's just like little things that feel like hyper specific but also just like very authentic to that like adrift like kind of on the cusp of millennial zoomer just like yeah uh you know early 20s like trying to find your place in this world uh and yeah I mean I always just like really appreciated that and her and so I don't know I haven't actually I've listened to the song a few times um and I've just seen like the some of the lyrics just get pulled out like I look like a prettier Jesus or whatever. That's (laughs) the one that people are really gravitating towards. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's definitely the most memorable lyric in the song. In a a song that does not have a ton of, I think, memorable lyrics in sort of a bad way. Um, This is like, oh, aquamarine, electric green or something like that. And then the, the phrasing, I keep sticking over is when she's like can you reach me no you can't I'm like it it I tweeted this but like it really takes it straight to Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville for me like it's so like toes in the sand corona in my hand but at least at least Jimmy Buffett was just fully leaning into and I don't know if when I came out we were all like oh girl it's camp like we love Margaritaville whatever but what it's become is just like a sort of maximalist like he's actually using like 
bong or whatever like the yeah. sound steel drum like that it it just immediately you're like okay yeah you're, I'm gonna go the, the you're on island time yeah i'm on island time <laughs> <laughs> it's my damn fault but like this is just this weird i, I think because she's trying didn't i guess jack antonoff uh produced this album once again yes um <laughs> just let an eye roll <laughs> the, i yeah there was a little bit of an eye roll so i I like Jack Antonoff. Historically, I do. I think he's done really good work with Taylor and Lana, especially on two of their better albums. And even St. Vincent, like I like his work with St. Vincent a lot. I know that um, Daddy's Home was not super well received by certain sectors of mm -hmm. the internet and like some critical circles, but I, I find that album mm -hmm. very appealing, even if it's like a little conceptually bad um mm -hmm. this i've taken a turn with him recently as the one-two punch of folklore and evermore coming out back to back sort of mm -hmm. i think exposed the limitations of his sounds like mm. i think he's really good at mirroring trends and mm. like enhancing people's writings like but i liked it so much better when he was working with like carly ray jepson and mm -hmm. lord on melodrama and doing sort of refracting that 80s synth pop that was really booming at that time into something right very confessional but now he's doing that like girl in red bedroom pop stuff which i don't personally like that much yeah um, well you think about yeah just like some of those very sophisticated stuff to me and again i'm i'm no audiophile but some of the stuff that felt very just like different like i've never heard like like hard feeling slash loveless on melodrama. Mm -hmm. Just like that is just such a, I, you don't find stuff like that on pop albums usually. And I consider Lord to be more like, like deeper cut pop. Like she's not Katy Perry or whatever. No, no, <laughs> and so she's still trying to maintain, <laughs> girl, she could never be Katy Perry. She could never. <laughs> she couldn't do Teenage Dream, are you kidding me? Um, no. <laughs> um, Said with love, she could not. Yes. Uh, but she's still trying to maintain that like uh, sophisticated production I feel or like indie, pop or like still trying to have some like merit to her sound but then it's just like but it's not it's just not coming together I think in the way that I want it to in the way that I would enjoy it it going back to your early earlier point about um how Jimmy Buffett I guess really like leaned in to the whole sonic aesthetic <laughs> package yeah. I do think she weirdly is kind of doing it though the music mm. video which mm -hmm. we've not touched on yet oh, is very island time <laughs> yes. like yes in a very i mean it's a satirical like midsummer filter over that kind of thing but like mm -hmm. she, at, it is very sort of like a straight up take almost on like a beach commercial yeah i guess multi girl i mean like <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah and i wonder too like it, yeah it I also like I don't, music videos are a whole thing too that like I part of me was like we still make those like it feels kind of interesting mm -hmm. to like see one and and it is sort of limited too and it's not like a very grandiose thing it's truly just her chilling at the beach with her weird cult um yeah. you know who has that many friends <laughs> I don't know <laughs> not not after pandemic <laughs> yeah uh is Rona yeah. happening in New Zealand and maybe not but yeah I just it to me it's like reminiscent of well you know we're like exiting the pandemic supposedly and i feel like a lot of this too is just like let's be positive like let's embrace like just joyfulness and like beachy shit like cheryl crow you know like why not like yeah. i don't know we had our moment where we were all sad and introspective but in a way it feels like it's sort of glossing over like i would love to hear her like you know painful like <laughs> yeah. quarantine well you know, i mean not to like get too parasocial about it and like <laughs> to insist that like people mind their trauma for art but mm -hmm. I mean, yes i would also like that very much yes. and, i mean she's so good about writing internally for her mm -hmm. to come back with something so external mm -hmm. and i mean like she's talked she sent out like a newsletter basically about mm -hmm her th thematic inspiration behind the album. And she said that it it boils down to like nature rocks, essentially, <laughs> which I did not want that from her. Okay. I, I had never, yeah. I, I don't really like it when singers sing about nature 
in the first place. Like, I think there are people who do it well, like Casey Musgraves does it well, Unknown, he does it really well. But like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like nature is such an ephemeral inspiration for an album. I think it Mm -hmm. it turns into like, and I'm using the 90s definition of this term, world music very quickly, Mm -hmm. like, um, and I just worry that if the whole album is like this, like, the writing is not going to be what we want from it yeah and I guess it feels like gimmicky in a way like if it doesn't I don't know yeah I guess it's not I get part of it too is like I don't know I get um wrapped up in how a artist should have a certain sound or something and like you know to me I guess she seemed like one who hadn't experimented like she'd clearly experimented with her sound between her first and second albums but like yeah. it still covered like the same like thematic arc but I don't know like when I would like loved Vampire Weekend you know in high school and stuff and I would like play their first three albums to death but then when Father of the Bride came out and it was like that kind of weird like also felt like a gap commercial kind of thing and yes. they had lost like a producer that was very I feel pivotal to their sound and stuff but I was just sort of like Eh, like I don't want it like I don't I never listened to that album like I truly didn't I'll I'm gonna disagree gonna slightly with it. the v- yeah. father of the bride is actually my favorite album of 2019 Interesting. Like, it is not it is my I think second favorite mm. VW album after mm. Contra oh okay it's I'm a, I'm a modern vampires person yeah I love modern vampires too I think truly the gap between one and four if you're ranking is like this yeah slim but and they are my favorite band currently working right now so I am I am oh, okay for okay them, yeah I, get get defensive let's go I think they <laughs> did the jam bandy sound way better because they went maximalist mm. with it essentially yeah. like you lo- you listen That's to a song true. like harmony hall which has a vi- another big reference point for solar power because yeah. of like that kind of like jangly like um jangly outro and like the drum beat is also very like freedom 90 Mm -hmm. that just sounds so much richer and more expansive yeah and I think Antonoff's recent tendency to go very small with his productions like even the new bleachers Mm -hmm. stuff which I really do not care for at all like it sounds Mm -hmm. very small scale Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't know like it yeah I just don't think it works 100% like if it really went for it sonically I think it might be more successful like solar power sounding like harmony hall I think would be a better song yeah yeah. it's more like you could put it on a playlist more easily yeah not to reduce it to that kind of currency but it's like that that is like the currency of the moment yeah it's kind of what makes a song or album worthwhile these days yeah I mean yeah I should go back I should give Father of the Bride another listen I had friends that liked it but I think that's also a thing too for me and this is like the artist could never help this but like as a listener I am someone who associates a lot of media with just like a time in my life and so like yeah I'm sitting here telling you like I still remember like buying pure heroin and like what I would do when I listen to it same with melodrama and so like part of it's just like stingy where it's just like I don't like when I feel someone grow in a direction I'm not growing like I'm not ready to be (laughs) like happy and positive yet so you aren't allowed to do it either (laughs) I um friend of the podcast julia gray just wrote a really good article for the ringer a few weeks Mm. ago mostly it was talking about uh, people our age and older's obsession with olivia rodrigo and like the Mm -hmm. parasocial relationship we have with teenage girls who basically are excavating their trauma for art and how we like that like impositions and expectations we put on them to do that and like Mm -hmm. this like inherent expectation that these women are going to quote-unquote speak for us and speak for our trauma um and how it's really a phenomenon that's exclusively limited to like teenage girls yeah that's very true and I do I mean like weirdly enough like I mean these Lord albums coming out every four years have also like dovetailed with like very transitional phases for me like melodrama came out when I just started freshman year of college Mm. pure heroin came when I just left and like had moved to LA for the first time and now Mm. this album whenever it's coming out is going to be when I move to a new city again Mm -hmm. and I was in flux the first two times I'm in flux now and it doesn't seem like she is yeah 
Yeah. Unless this is some like weird influence or satire thing. Yeah. Part of me is like, yeah, I think it could be like a very tongue in cheek, like, uh, you know, not every, like nothing is sunshine and roses right now, but why not like try to lean into that? Yeah. But yeah, at the same time, I think, um, it is unfair clearly it's like very like <laughs> I want but I think that's why people I guess maybe move in and out with artists like you know yeah you don't, you don't have to just automatically love and listen to everything there is a place like oh no absolutely I do think there is a place for Mac or escapist pop music mm-hmm. right now like future nostalgia has aged really well and like people responded very well to that album because it was sort of the antithesis of everything that's been going on like you can dance yeah. to it even when you can't go to a club like it's very right fun poppy music and it's weird to see like right. happy music like this be so down key yes maybe I feel weird too about like I don't know I sometimes um don't like as much when artists do change their sound often like my service every album's different oh, yeah. like like Gaga every album's different and you know sometimes it's nice to like have an artist who at least their voice you like or whatever and then you're like well if I want to listen to Gaga go on country or I can do our if I want to listen to a rock Gaga like you have all these options yeah. I guess like it's nice but also sometimes yeah again I just think that there's like something to be said for you know an artist taking my song maybe we're you know what maybe an album's gonna come out and it's just gonna be completely different than what we're expecting yeah but I don't know no I I I agree with all that I mean what so what do you I think one of the nice things about Lord's sound being so consistent is that it more or less I think spawned this new crop of pop girly essentially mm-hmm. like what do you think about like Billy and Olivia and like I, I think they're very obviously students of melodrama in a way yeah I haven't listened to Billy very much and I very briefly listened to Sour mm-hmm. I think on the Sour side part of me was like yeah this girl's 17 like I, I felt yeah. very I felt that was very apparent and like it also felt it was just like all these like reframe every song was like a reframing of this one event yes from the outside like uh she might have been thinking about more things when writing it but for me it just seemed like all about this like breakup and it was just like all these different takes on it and that was like part of that's like interesting like yeah oh, we have like a paramore version of a breakup oh we have like a, a taylor swift version of your we have like or five or six taylor swift <laughs> we have like a the whole album of you yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing too is like i was i've never been like a Taylor person like mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> 1984 I think is the one that I like listened to the most stuff off of because I liked like bad or yeah. no bad blood was awful actually <laughs> Kendrick <laughs> no, but, Lamar how would you how blank space that one was <laughs> space, yeah, yeah like just like those kind of more stuff that didn't sound like Taylor to me I liked a lot um but yeah yeah the Olivia Rodrigo one you know I would like I think it was funny if you're like watching reruns of Glee and shit I'm like oh I, I love Glee but then I look you know I'm like looking up the lyrics and she's like oh I've actually never watched Glee and I'm like Bleh. yeah it is <laughs> gonna um, come from my lived experience when, like, well, it, it, it just shows how like young and like I don't know kind of copycatty it, I guess. it's copycatty and it's a little I mean it definitely is like an affect to mm-hmm. like um Julia and her ringer piece talks about that specific reference and how mm-hmm. it's it basically is pandering exclusively to people our age who were <laughs> who, ga- who gained so much mental illness from that show <laughs> like, um and for her not to even have ex- like if you have not seen the rocky horror episode of glue like how could you understand the real struggle you know if you never seen Matthew Morrison rap and be inappropriate with children and what the fuck are we talking about like he one of history's great villains I think like gosh that show is that reminds me of insane I watched the Grinch musical special with him oh yeah (laughs) how is that that could be an emergency that should have been I mean he just feels so relevant that would have been if I came on in December that would have been all I could have talked about but like (laughs) putting 
the Grinch, who is, I love the Grinch, like a beloved character oh, yeah. for me. Putting him in a peplum, like, fit and flare jacket. I was like, <laughs> like a peplum, like a Santa Claus jacket uh. over his, like, enormous green hairy ass. Oh, and then, then it's Matthew Morrison. And I was just like, this is uncanny. This is disgusting. Oh, this disgust- is against God's will. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that was, like, beyond camp. I was like, it's not even, I can't even relish this but if it's beyond camp it should be buried in a hole maybe (laughs) like that is sort of the ryan murphy way though like i feel like he's sort of (laughs) he that sensibility is all over his work to just like push it to the point of no return and then you're just it it's that sense sticks on you for life i swear to god because nothing i love i love tv and like there is no tv to me like season one of glee the first half of the season one of glee like that's the thing too is I feel like if they had a shorter like seasonal run then maybe the press wouldn't have caught up to them and they wouldn't have gotten so like big-headed yeah. but like you can start to see even the decline like yeah toward the end of season one but just That's, like that that just... second eight episode stretch after the initial 13 episode mm-hmm. order mm-hmm. gets a little you start crazy. to see where it starts could the you know things fall apart but yeah like yeah then eventually you get random like terrible like school shooting storylines you're like I never wanted this out of Ryan Murphy I wanted this popular 2.0 like I just wanted like I don't know (laughs) just like I think he's capable of very good work like I rewatched American Crime Story Versace at the beginning Mm -hmm. of pandemic and I think Mm -hmm. that is a fabulous season of television that has a lot Mm -hmm. to say and says it very coherently Mm-hmm. for him I think he's like probably the most incoherent showrunner on tv <laughs> and like to put a to put it mildly and like yeah yeah for I think like just keeping him into that limited series format I think is better because you are forced to tell a self-contained story yeah exactly but she's I just never, I, know, go I, was gonna say, I was gonna say I never got into American Horror Story like my sister likes it a lot for some reason but even then like he just kind of beats a dead horse like yeah. I think he needs to learn how to sh- you know show restraint clearly in many areas of his show running life but like yeah I think a, the mark of a, a truly amazing showrunner is knowing when to end your thing and end yeah. it on a high note so that would have been season three finale of Glee <laughs> <laughs> take what you had the mess and the beauty and then end it that's the season where she like rachel goes on the train station she like sings like nationals yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she waves by to finn like she's gonna go do her big apple thing and then of course you just go they go fuck it like it (laughs) season four of the new york season of glee is that's when I got off the train like when like set I mean the often shared clip of like Sarah Jessica Parker's mashup of let's have a kiki and turkey lurk free time I think is a low point for culture at large but also Kate Hudson in that season of television is doing something unbelievable (laughs) truly crazy her character like has sex with students and stuff I'm like why and her name is Cassandra July like an (laughs) unbelievable character name like she's like being bitchy with students she's like literally calls Rachel and she's like I fucked your boyfriend or whatever it's like you are a 40 year old woman like for that and whiplash to come out at the same time (laughs) two sides of the same coin to me two very differently executed sides. You just say that that storyline is Ryan Murphy doing whiplash. It's, he's doing whiplash. I would, I will say though, I would rather, I think, watch Ryan Murphy's version of Glee over like Damien Chazelle's version of Glee. Like, I feel oh, like that's 100%. like, I mean, I guess that's just like the Eddie or whatever. I did not watch that TV show, mm. but that like, I do appreciate the randomness a little bit to the extent that my brain can handle it like I it is very gonzo and it's not like it's never boring you know exactly exactly it's overstimulating and like that's what bad for your brain but you're goddamn right I mean I'm watching Riverdale right now oh yeah and I thought I would never yeah thought I'd never cave and do it but here I am and I if I take too long between episodes, I can't remember a thing that's happening because it goes like a mile a minute. Like that train took off and it's never stopping. That's the problem with those like soapy shows like that too. Like I was just talking about Empire with a friend yesterday. That first season Mm -hmm. of Empire is so good and so like also blows through so much storyline in 13 Mm -hmm. episodes. But like you just, that momentum gets so hard to maintain. Yes. 
at a certain point if you still want to stay like coherent and narratively sound and most people cannot do it Riverdale sort of does it but like (sighs) not like I can't Look, with that fucking show. It's really crazy. I had to tap out too eventually, but it's like I, I stuck with it longer. I stuck with it about as long as I stuck with Glee, basically. I still have never seen like the last two seasons of Glee. Oh my god. Actually, Drew, you should go watch it. It's like a treat. It's really seeing I don't want to see Corey die. I know. That's how that was they rushed into that way too soon like Leah yeah. Michelle like couldn't even do that episode because it was like two months after her fiance mm-hmm. had died in a horrible tragedy mm-hmm. and Martin Murphy's like get in front of a camera and sing a song <laughs> like <laughs> just crazy like uh, I watched the Glee project oh yeah I was in deep <clears throat> oh yeah Glee Glee <laughs> I never got into that I feel like I would have lost my mind <laughs> like fully like irreparably had I not had, uh, gotten into that um, reality competition <sighs> do you think lord has seen glee <laughs> we gotta <laughs> we gotta tie it back somehow i mean yeah i think lord um yeah well that's what we, we guys will ask me about billy eilish like apparently she loves the office like again oh, all these like yeah. cool girls who just like incredibly either cringe or like basic things so yeah lord seen glee and she like fucking loves it yeah but maybe she hasn't seen it in a while and she's in too good of a headspace like maybe the Mm -hmm. solution to this is we like (laughs) ludovico treatment her into watching like a four like season four of glee to the point where she's like fully mentally ill again like needs to write about it like i'll take it i'll if she needs to wait another year and rewrite some songs like yeah yeah that's fine for me but like we need some We need something a little bit more than like toes in the sand. Yeah, yeah. We tape her eyes open and make her watch um the episode where like all the couples break up at once or something and they Ugh. don't speak by <laughs> no doubt. She's like, I can't take it anymore. Re- listeners, you cannot see this, but I'm crying blood right now <laughs> remembering that they did that. Um God, he is the uh, most obvious man alive. I just <laughs> cannot <laughs> believe it. Um yeah. Oh, my heart. I actually, my heart is racing. Like, I, I cannot talk about Glee more today than I already have. But, like, oh my God. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting truly heated thinking about, like, yeah. Oh it, my God. I, but, I rewatched it in quarantine. Like, I don't know why the, oh, I oh did. Cause when Naya, Rivera passed away, when Naya Rivera passed away, yeah. I started thinking about it more. And now it is, it's like watching it. It's like a graveyard. It's like really, really weird and disorienting to go watch it now. And then, especially, yeah knowing how hard I went for it and how off the rails it goes yeah and like uh, all these I mean all these performers just got like shipwrecked by love (laughs) like literally oh no no no, I didn't mean I didn't mean like the boat oh god that's not what I meant that's not what I I meant like like, I meant like uh yeah like crashing up against the podcast now like that's like you do I think they do like a glee wines kind of thing now like yeah they do um, him and Jenna Ushkowitz yeah Oh, you know, I listened I mean, to like, an episode of it. I, like. I, you know, I, I probably will too. Like, I, I find both of those people sort of charming in a vacuum, and like, I do ultimately yeah. want all those people to succeed. I was so sad about Naya Rivera. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. to my phone that night. That yeah. lake is scary though. Like that, it's like a Ugh. California horror story lake though. Like there are yeah. so many deaths. Oh, it's so Dang sad man. and senseless. I know. I, I hope know, Lord's but... uh, solar power beach is away from that lake. Yeah, <laughs> like right, they're not literally. swimming there. Yeah. Queen, get out of there. <laughs> get like, out of there. <laughs> but that's what I there's an episode of their of their podcast, Kevin McHale and um Jenna Ashkowitz, where they have Chris Colfer and Amber Riley on. And at one point they're just like kind of low-key shit talking Leah Michelle, which like I live for that. Like yeah. I live for just hearing about like who was annoying on set and just like yeah on set and Leah Michelle sounds like the worst I mean like oh would have believe all of them Leah Michelle is like the devil Mm -hmm. I sort of believe that yeah and whoever's still friends with like Darren Chris and like Jonathan Groff I'm like something twisted this way comes (laughs) I I have met Darren Chris once like in person who short man very short Uh man not homosexual shockingly not homosexual <laughs> though he does own a piano bar in hollywood so you know we're th- you know it's there's a lot going on there <laughs> he had a very 
not strange in a bad way, but just like a very strange energy. He had like magician mm. energy. Kind of <laughs> but like real magician, like, like conjurer kind of energy. I'm like, yeah. you're doing something about you is like, you're flouting God. You're flouting nature yeah. somehow. Like something about yeah. you is not adding up. Right. I was, I have been a fan of, well, okay, fan of his since a very Potter musical. Oh, yeah. I fell off, of course. I was like, I have to grow up at some point, <laughs> you know, fly away from all that. that <laughs> but, but that's like very early. That, I mean, that's like Bo Burnham era early YouTube, though. Mm-hmm. Like that, like very classic. Um, kind like, of, like, I mean, like, penis yeah. like, like yeah. literally, <laughs> like his theater group did, like, me and my dick or whatever. Like, it's just children in college basically experimental theater i think we call yeah it. <laughs> yeah let's give it some yeah we'll give it like an emergent culture we'll give it like a movement name all right i think we need to move on to the final <laughs> yes. segment this was that was a roller Sorry. coaster no it was beautiful quickly till i die no me too me too and i will die talking about it like that's that's i went to like the um what's it called house of intuition and they they read my cards and told me that that's i'm gonna die talking about like mark salling incredible stuff (laughs) it's gonna be on your epitaph like (laughs) fuck you ryan murphy just but yeah that should be my epitaph (laughs) all right um okay so we're gonna move on to our final segment which is called tear the community apart we have i think we've done a lot of that today but um the rules of this at least are very simple so i have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Sounds easy. Is easy, but not. It's hard. Yeah, so, it hard. <laughs> not a lot of thematic. I usually try to pick these songs with some sort of theme around it. There's nothing thematic, especially today, beyond mm-hmm. gay 70s. These are two Pride Month staples mm-hmm. released in the late 70s that are 10 out of 10 perfect pop songs and four (laughs) fillers that you can play at graduations, weddings, and funerals. This might be the hardest round yet. Which song is better? Mm. Bad Girls by Donna Summer or Dancing Queen by ABBA? Oh my god! Okay, because I'm going through like a soul disco moment. Oh, are you really? Listening history, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I tried to start working out. (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like what will make this a pleasant experience for me that also has like high enough BPM to keep me going and Donna Summer and Abba are just like I mean all over that playlist Uh, that's so funny I literally just picked these two songs because I was at drag brunch yesterday and they played (laughs) both of those songs back to back and I was like well I know what I'm gonna do on Monday you said you said bad girls are hot stuff bad girls yeah bad girls um bad girls versus dancing queen I feel like Hot Stuff, it's not a contest. Which out of those two songs is better? Yeah, I was going to say Hot Stuff is like, I mean, wow. Um, I still have Bad Girls, though. Like, I feel like because that maybe isn't, because that's such an overplayed to me ABBA song. Like, mm-hmm. and this, okay, I'm not going to get into another cultural object I could just talk relentlessly about but yeah, I was like a huge Mamma Mia stan <laughs> me too <laughs> yep me too. yep 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 um but I don't know okay so I you know what I'll make it easier for myself I'm gonna say Donna Summer okay. because just like I had actually never so I've like listened to ABBA whether it's a cover or like them actually you know it's for a long time but I actually really didn't listen to a lot of Donna Summer until the last year <clears throat> and you know I'd heard like uh, like hot stuff and bad girls I think bad girls is like in one of the Rugrats movies if I'm being honest with you so <laughs> I think that's yes I think you're I, correct yeah. I remember like a toot toot beep beep moment mm-hmm. um and you know like obviously that's been sampled quite a few times throughout pop history but mm-hmm. uh yeah I mean she was truly just like what a phenomenal singer what a phenomenal moment in music history yeah um so yeah I'll go with her, but I really do love ABBA. If you had said like, and this is not a let's play at our graduation, but just like, you know, the winner takes it all or any oh. kind of like other. <laughs> no, it's one time I, to be cry usually wins, yeah. No, that I mean, that's an incredible song. <clears throat> there are very few not incredible ABBA songs though. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I were answering these two, I think I would have to pick, I think I would pick Dancing Queen just because mm-hmm. it's, 
I mean, there's just something so like primal, yeah, elemental about that song. Like yes. bad girl or bad girls too, though. I mean, that this is a really hard one. Like two two <laughs> beep beep is yeah, such a fun thing to do when you're dancing. Yeah, <laughs> like you can well, really like, get like kind of fun cartoony with it. Yeah, if I'm like into club, <laughs> like yeah. if I'm like as one out, so often is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think about Broad City when she's like, into club, we all fam. And she's like, what are you saying? She's like, are you racist? Anyway, um, <laughs> how do you not get it? Um, if I'm like, you know, like throwing out, if I'm at a place where I can throw my ass around or something, yeah, like bad girls, it's gotta be it. But yeah, like Dancing Queen has that sort of like familial or like family friendly, just like yeah. kind of like innocence to it. It's I more of a sing along song. Yes, like a karaoke I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm it's doing. hard to do any Donna Summer song on karaoke just because she is a like, like terrible vocalist. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she, and she's just, you're not terrible. She's just transcendent. Yeah. So, like, um, Girl, we could, none of us could ever live up to Donna No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what is your yeah. favorite? Well, is Winter Takes All your favorite ABBA song then? Yeah, I guess. Um, I really do like the ones that feel like... Um, that feel, I'm gonna say they feel horny <laughs> so like they're I love all like, gimme gimme oh, gimme yeah love yeah that or like um uh lay all your love on me like just mm-hmm. the ones that I just like feel like primal or something when I'm listening yeah. to it um whereas like like cheeky tita or whatever or like any of the ones that are more like playful like uh you know like more lighthearted like does your mother know like that yeah those are like not as um you know, appealing, or they're, you know, I'm not going to, like, scream them at the top of my lungs. They're all, I'm not going to get into a persona. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but I like I it when to... they get melancholic, too, though. Like, Winter Takes uh-huh. It All is definitely in that vibe. Like, my favorite is Knowing Me, Knowing You, which is, mm. like, so, and SOS is probably a close number, yes. too. Like, all three yes. of those are, like, very kind of in the same yeah. sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I love the song where when I, like, sing it, I feel like I'm, in my head it's like very cinematic or like yeah I assume a face that I'm like strutting a catwalk or something it also bad girls makes me feel yeah and uh, I mean coincidentally I guess like both Donna Summer's catalog or Donna Summer's catalog and Abba's catalog have both been made into musicals Mm. too like I think Mm -hmm. they both like lend themselves very well to sort of like theatrical performance like that yeah though I have not seen the Donna Summer musical I've seen Mamma Mia more times than I can count (laughs) yeah I remember being like 12 and like they were coming to Deepak the Durham Performing Arts Center and I like begged my mother I was like please for the love of God like take me to see I like dressed up and Mm -hmm. I was like singing along the whole time she was like it's not a karaoke bar like you need to shut up (laughs) so I wanted to just have that jukebox karaoke moment but yeah that was good it's I mean it's music that like moves you to do that yes and that I think is like the best thing you can say about any sort of music like yeah speak about maximalism yeah yeah (laughs) yes it's it's an uncontrollable groove yes and they have that Fleetwood Mac thing too where it's like they had inner turmoil in Mm -hmm. their group and so you know you have like the lead female, but I don't know any of their names because can't speak Swedish. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you have like the main two, the the main woman and the main man, like going mm-hmm. through a divorce, and he writes the winner takes all, and she sings it, and it's just like that's so messed up and so poetic and so good, and it's so real. Yeah, and yeah. you know, not to take it back to Lord, but I mean, <laughs> friction makes for good pop music. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. I thought her dog dying honestly, oh, no. was going to give us more, but uh, well, I guess she moved on. I guess, I mean, like the last like opus of um, <laughs> like dead animal pop music we got was that Miley Cyrus album. And maybe, best, maybe it's yeah. for the best that Lord is not doing <laughs> that necessarily. So like, what is that one part she's yeah, she's like, what does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? I I don't know I can't I couldn't answer that question like she's it's a that is a a flailing and sonic form for sure truly well I think this has been very fun I think we just I think we have to wrap it up today but Nina thank you so much for being here um where can people find you on social media oh my gosh um you can or is there anything you want to plug (laughs) okay uh unfortunately no I 
I'm not publishing. I have yet to get my Substack going. It'll happen eventually, mm-hmm. but the best places to reach me are at Nina Wilder on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, and if you search my name in Google, some kind of website will come up. But yeah, <laughs> I think I need to go watch a few episodes of Glee now. I'm kind of feeling that. <laughs> no, you're the first guest with an actual legit website. So that is as oh, yeah. professional as we've ever gotten on here. Um, I love it. You can find me on Instagram at FKA Pigs with a Z on Twitter. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, you can find me on Twitter at FKA Pigs with a Z. You can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Drew Haskins with um, two Zs. And you can subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for free weekly cultural musings. Um, delivered straight to your inbox so that is very fun Nina is a longtime subscriber of Culture Pig and I truly mm-hmm. appreciate her uh, support and readership every day mm-hmm. so, and also you can find the Duke Chronicle at DukeChronicle.com <laughs> if you want to search both of our names you can uh, backslash section backslash recess yes <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to recess they created us broke our yes. brains and created us in equal measures so <laughs> exactly well thank thank you so much Drew well thank you so much this is a true joy um and yeah bye everyone I don't know how to end this podcast but bye everyone (laughs) (laughs) bye everybody go watch Glee go watch Glee (laughs) not too much though (laughs) all right